0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert.
1: Good morning. This is Carol Bossert. Welcome to the show today. Uh, you know, I say this every week, and I mean it every week, um, and I am excited and uh, thrilled to bring this uh Show to you today. Uh, I have four fabulous guests. As you know, I I try to limit the guests to maybe one or two, but I just couldn't today because each one of these women is so very important to the discussion and has been instrumental in the uh, group. A couple of weeks ago on the show, we did a recap of the recent American Alliance of Museums conference that was held in Atlanta. Uh, this is their annual conference, and uh, I think this year in particular there were as many interesting things going on, sort of outside of the boundaries as the, of the conference, as were uh, happening inside. And in a and there's uh. On blogs and in discussions, there's been a little um, a little feed back and forth about is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? Um, I think that when you bring a group of people together, whether it's 10 or 10,000 uh, dedicated, passionate individuals, you are going to spark a number of interesting conversations that lead to unforeseen and wonderful developments in thought and movement. And I do hope that AAM continues to understand that bringing in uh, new things, then un- unexpected things, is an asset uh, to all of us and actually something that they should be very proud of. One of the uh, projects that I was able to become involved with uh, was. session that happened uh, one one evening outside of the official conference, and it was called uh, Museum Workers Speak. And I was thrilled uh, to be able to participate and listen uh, to over 70 uh, primarily emerging uh, museum professionals to hear them, to listen to them, and just be overwhelmed by their commitment and their compassion uh, at, to uh, the museum profession and to bettering our museums. And so today I have uh, with me the Four women uh, that were instrumental in developing both this session as well as this organization called Museum Workers Speak, and I'm going to let them talk uh, just in a moment a little bit more about their uh, their work. But let me just introduce them briefly to you. I have Alyssa Greenberg, who is a doctoral mm-hmm. candidate in the Department of Art History at the, uni- uh, at the um, University of Chicago. I have Monica Montgomery, who is very involved. She is the founder of Museum Hue, which is a platform for cultural diversity, advancing people of color through the arts, culture, and museums. I have Jillian Reese, who is an emerging museum professional, and she is currently at the uh, Community Relations Specialist at the Detroit Institute of Arts. And I have Nina Pali, you know, I knew I was going to screw this one up, and I and I practiced so hard, but it is Pelias. Did I get that right, Nina? Yes. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Who is the 2014-2015 Crest Museum Interpretation Fellow at the High Museum of Art, and with that, I am going to, uh, well, welcome all of you, and Alyssa, I'm going to start with you to uh, help uh, ground our listeners in in getting to know who you are by just sharing a little bit about yourself, your current museum work, and uh, if you could just. Let, let our listeners know what social justice means to you.
2: Sure, I'm happy to. Carol, thank you so much for having us. My name is Alyssa Greenberg, and I'm a doctoral candidate in the Department of Art History at the University of Illinois at Chicago. I'm currently writing my dissertation on art museum education as an artistic and political practice. I'm also on the leadership committee of the Chicago Emerging Museum Professionals, and a co-chair of our recently announced advocacy committee which will continue the work of Museum Workers Speak on a local level. For me, social justice is a lived practice. It's something you do, not something you say. Practicing social justice means putting your money where your mouth is. Consistency between your rhetoric and your actions. For example, I'm fortunate to attend a university with a strong active graduate employee union. We have a strong contract with the university that ensures a living wage, a tuition waiver, and fair working conditions for our members. And we didn't secure this contract through talk or because a few dedicated members took action or because the leadership of the university was willing to redistribute resources to benefit us despite their own institutional perpetuation of the rhetoric of social justice. It was a result of a wide group of people, people who benefit from varied degrees of privilege taking action at the bargaining table, in meetings, and at rallies. Social justice is when the many stand together in solidarity to shift existing power dynamics, to take action to improve our conditions.
1: Oh, Alyssa, thank you so very much. That was a wonderful introduction, and I'm sorry that I I, uh, got the university wrong and that you corrected that. Um, Monica, could you just uh, do the same thing, a little bit about yourself, and what does
3: social justice mean to you? Sure. So I'm currently the director of the Lewis Latimer Historic House Museum in Flushing, Queens, part of Historic House Trust. I'm also the founder of Museum Hue, which is amplifying the voices of people of color in arts, culture, and museums and making sure our presence is felt. I also have founded a social justice mobile museum called the Museum of Impact. So with all of those contexts Social justice, to me, is a confluence of action, altruism, and advocacy. It's taking on movements for the people and shining a light on human rights and justices, finding solutionary ways to do something about the inequalities and the struggles and the oppressions in the world. And to me, social justice is life's blood. It's what everyone should and could be about, especially in today's day.
1: I love the way you put that, uh, Monica, uh, Thank you, thank you. That's wonderful, Jillian. How about you?
4: Hi, um, I'm. Thank you for having us, um, Carol. We really do appreciate it. Um, I am the uh, community relations specialist at the Detroit Institute of Arts. So, um, what I do is I address ac- issues of access, inclusion. Um, an engagement at the museum. Um, and one of the main ways that we try to do that is by um, putting out community-based programming. Uh, so my primary task is um, project managing a, a project called Inside Out which is where we take uh, reproductions of the DIA's collection and saw them on the streets and in the parks of Metro Detroit. And it's a very easy way for us to meet people where they're at, um, in their own backyards. Um, And when I think of social justice, um, I think of that word, justice. I think of uh, that they're in order for us to, again, envision this, utopian society where um, we've sort of been able to shed oppression, um, there has to be some sort of acknowledgement of wrongdoing. There has to be some retribution and penance that needs to happen. And I think that for far too long, um, when we talk about social justice, we really focus on... um, Uh, oppressive systems which I think is totally valid and necessary but I think we also need to you know really hone in on privilege um, on on finding ways that we can shed that privilege and then also um, you know rebuilding our society to be something that is more equitable and
1: democratic. Thank you Jillian that's wonderful and I can't wait to uh, to learn more about your project uh, when I visited, I visit Detroit in the next couple of weeks. Um, oh, N- yeah, yeah. Nina, how about you? Well, hi, Carol. Um, oh, gosh, I'm just so thrilled
5: to be here today. And, yes, just to echo what everyone else is saying, thank you so much for having us. Um, just a little bit about me. Uh, I, as you mentioned, I'm working as the Crest Fellow for Museum Interpretation here at the High Museum in Atlanta. But uh, just a little bit more about my practice in general. I am really... Um, working in museum interpretation and public engagement, I'm really specifically interested in really working to incite inclusive dialogues around art, and this really comes for me out of a really strong belief in art specifically as a powerful tool for generating difficult conversations and working to communicate complex ideas about things like like society, history, and culture. So um, with that, I mean, social justice is something that I am thinking a lot about in the context of museums and museum work and the power of art to sort of convey or work towards social justice. But I think um, in a more general sense, I think that social justice sort of, to echo a bit of what some of my wonderful colleagues have been saying, I see it really as a position um, that takes an awareness of the structures of power that are operative when, within our society. So, with that, I think, moreover, it's actually really—and you know, Gillian was getting at this—but a questioning of the legitimacy of those powers, and of course, also like the social norms that are imposed on us through that power. So, um, of course, it's also very much an aspirational condition, and for me, it's really rooted in a belief and a desire for an equitable society, and especially a society where all citizens can feel safe. And this idea of safety or security is something that's especially important for me in terms of, um, in terms of social justice. And what I mean by that is really it's a condition, I think, where power is not exploited to benefit only a few, but rather where power is something that's shared and uh, shared by all people in order to really protect, support, and above all, really uplift one another. So, you know, when I talk about safety and social justice, I, I really cannot help but but think very much to current events and the recent instances of police brutality um, and the subsequent protests that are taking place all across America. You know, I think this is a really good example for of um, social justice being violated because it's a situation where we have citizens, uh, being led to feel insecure, feeling threatened uh, and even fearful really of the institutions of power, and specifically those that are um, allegedly there to protect and serve them, so I think that social justice works to ensure ultimately that uh, power and privilege are, really remains checked in the service of equality and human rights and fairness, and uh, I think freedom and, and that really for me includes the freedom to question those institutions of power and the ideologies that they reinforce so I think with that, you know, just to tie it a little bit into what we're doing in the museum world, you know, it's, I think, an acknowledgement too, that museums are uh, very much institutions of power. And that the messages that we send as uh, institutions really do reverberate and impact our communities, um, our history, and our culture. You know, I mean, we're really, um, we are arbiters of these, uh, these ideas. And in that way, you know, what we do, I think it really matters. So that's, um, yeah, that's what I,
1: <laughs> my well, take on it. No, that's fabulous, uh, uh, Nina, and thank you so so very much, and I think that that actually leads well into my next question, uh, at, and I'm going to direct it to you, Jillian, is, so how did, I, I mean, obviously you are like-minded women, uh, like-minded uh, people uh, w- who share passion for social justice as well as museums, uh, but so how did you find each other, and how did uh, this group get started?
4: Um, well, uh, listen, I knew each other from um, uh, I was doing an unpaid internship and uh, um, she was working as a graduate assistant um, in Chicago and um, we ha- you know kind of uh, hit it off right away um, We're both interested in um, this intersection between uh, museums and uh, social justice, and how museums can support or hinder social a uh, socially just society, and um, and then it was informal peer networks. You know, Twitter, <laughs> uh, the internet. Uh, I met I met Nina because she wrote a blog post about my project Inside Out. So um, these informal peer peer networks uh, and social media really um, kind of allowed us to, to meet each other. Um, we uh, The impetus for doing um, Museum Workers Speak uh, and having this sort of road accession was um, during the Museum's Respond to Ferguson tweet chat. Um, I think that we all felt like that was a really powerful moment um, when museums started to really think about, okay, we're part of a society that is violent and deadly for a lot of the people that live here um, and that are a part of it, and that there needs to be something that museums can do to to sort of of combat that. Um, We... um, are passionate, engaged. Uh, we come from a diverse number of backgrounds and identities, educational experiences, you know, the kinds of work we do, the kinds of institutions that we work in, um, and what we share is that we are vocal about our experiences as museum workers. Um, we, we really feel strongly that we need to speak out and make ourselves vulnerable to one another and... and and taking the risk of speaking out has been rewarding because it's brought us together and pushed us to move forward. It's like we, we sort of started by, you know, just sort of talking to each other about these things, and now we're really trying to put that into action. Um, and we knew from the get-go that this is something really powerful and that um, we need to address it so that we can re- reflect um, broader systemic inequalities
1: that's great thank you very much Alyssa we've got about a minute before uh, break but I wanted to ask you if you had uh, just something quick to add oh yeah just that the four of
2: us on the podcast today are only four representatives of Museum Workers Speak and that we actually are a larger collective and I just want to give a shout out to those people some of whom don't want to be named but thank you we love you
1: Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, and we're going to uh, uh, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more uh, with Nina, Jillian, uh, Monica, and Alyssa. Uh, just about uh, both the session that happened at aam and things moving forward and also getting to those issues of what it means to be safe both in a museum whether you are a visitor or whether you work in a museum as well as as uh, as alyssa mentioned uh, there are some people in the group who still clearly don't feel uh, safe uh, to uh, to be as as verbal so we have a lot to talk about this is an important topic and I hope that you You are all as as, uh, uh, excited about uh, uh, being open and honest as I am. And so we will be back in a moment. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life.
6: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, On Voice America Variety.
0: Are you ready for an anything goes hour long foray into politics, pop culture, and societal tribulations? Then look no further than Between the Synapse with host Mark Tobin. Each show features nationally or internationally prominent guests discussing topics that go beyond the usual daily news, sometimes even way beyond. It's a weekly, fast paced hour that you won't want to miss. Call in to join the party. Between the Synapse airs live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
6: Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
0: you're tuned into museum life with carol Bossert. to reach our program today please call one 866 472 That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bosser at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life.
1: Welcome back. I am here today with Jillian Reese, Elise, Alyssa Greenberg, Monica Montgomery, and uh, blah blah. Yes, Nina. I, Nina <laughs> Thank I you. Say. Thank you very much, boy. I am. I am embarrassed about that. Um, no problem. But, but moving forward. Um, so. One of the things, and Jillian, I think that you mentioned it in the last um, uh, segment when we were talking about uh, what brought the four of you together to start talking about museum workers speak is you use that word rogue, uh, and that has been something that's been getting a little bit of play um, uh, on the um, on the internet blogs and and some of the listservs. So I just uh, I, I'm going to come back. Uh, to um, actually, Alyssa. Um, so, how did this this session, you know, the, the session come about uh, that you were doing? And then, you know, sort of, um, uh, I think if you could clear the air, sort of, did you all brand it that it was a rogue session, or did someone else come up with that? Sure.
2: So, before Museum Workers Speak came into existence, several of us proposed a panel titled "Focusing the Social Lens Inward." Museum Labor Practices, for the 2015 conference. Unfortunately, AAM rejected our proposal. AAM rejected our proposal because they claimed that it did not give enough attention to the influence of external politics. They also contended that our proposal didn't adequately define the problems and challenges or represent a balance of institutions. But by passing the buck to external politics, AAM's rationale obscures our point that the choices museum professionals make, such as those in hiring, leadership, and working conditions, have impact. And AAM does have the capacity to address this field-wide issue, and they could have supported us in doing so, but instead they chose to, remain, to maintain the status quo of silence. We recognize the urgency and necessity of having this conversation at AAM and began pulling together a team to organize the rogue session. We named our team Museum Workers Speak. We found a venue in a small art gallery in Atlanta's west side called Gur Art Gallery. And having Nina, a local, on the team was indispensable. We collaborated on text and curriculum over Google Docs and Google Hangout, and even arranged to borrow 20 designer chairs from a local furniture shop. So thank you, Direct Furniture Outlet. (laughs) Organizing the Rogue Session was an incredible amount of collaboration, hard work, and also a great deal of uncertainty. Finding a venue to host us for free was a challenge, as was the issue of finding a space that was accessible to out-of-towners who didn't have cars. It truly takes a village. We titled our session, How Do We Turn the Social Justice Lens Inward, a conversation about internal museum labor practices. But we nicknamed it the Rogue Session, and the nickname stuck.
1: And so, Jillian. I mean, do you, uh, can you just share a little bit about um, your thinking about why you use that word instead of something less? Oh, I don't know, controversial like alternative or extra <laughs> or you know something less. Passionate. Well, we're not really. You know, um,
4: we're not. We're for women, and most all of the people who have been involved in this have been very gun ho about. You know, we we definitely aren't trying to make people feel comfortable, Um, and you know, these. I think that defensiveness is something that I think is a pillar of um, of white supremacy, and I think that um, people who get defensive about things like this and just even having conversation and opening up the conversations um, are the ones that are putting that sort of negativity out there. It's not, I I feel like we came to this with from a very um, positive standpoint and we were using the word rogue as sort of a nod to the fact that um, we weren't accepted into the sort of general the general, um, uh, annual conference. So, um, I have no problem with it, and I'm not someone who really shies away from controversy, honestly. So. Um, I think that it's it I think it was cute, and it stuck,
1: and we liked it. So. And yes, you are absolutely right. It is sticking. So, uh, <laughs> Monica, I want to get Monica and Nina into the conversation. So I'm going to switch up the order a little bit and ask Monica if you could just share one thing that inspired you during the session, and, and maybe one thing that frustrated you, or perhaps surprised you.
3: Sure. So in my work with Museum Q, my priority is always people of color um, being visible and viable in museum and cultural spaces. And whether that's the viewers or the visitors or the leadership, I wanted this convening to amplify the black perspective and the Latino perspective and other perspectives that are often unheard. And so one thing I was very heartened to see was that a number of people of color were in attendance. Um, and were able to talk about enduring the oppressions of low-wage jobs or being passed over for promotions um, or any variety of, you know, microaggressions or oppressions that they faced, and they were very um, forthcoming and transparent about that. I was also really happy to see that in such a small, tiny gallery, we were able to pack 70 people on a, a hot Atlanta night at the peak of the AM festivities, which was like a testament to the urgency of these issues and the audacity that people have to hope for brighter futures for the sector, the institutions, and most importantly, the staff. Um, something I wasn't as pleased with, you know, we wanted to raise the intersectionality of museum labor issues where a lot of practices are informed by capitalism or white supremacy or any number of barriers and obstacles that people who aren't privileged face. And I think we kind of scratched the surface of talking about oppressive structures, but we didn't do as deep a dive as we had hoped. But I'm thinking in successive tweet chats, as well as in-person convenings, we're going to dive deeper into those topics.
1: Thank you, Monica. That's wonderful. Nina, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think also sort of
5: I was really inspired also by the presence of people and um, who was there. And I was especially uh, really inspired by the presence of uh, one individual uh, volunteer coordinator who was coming from a major cultural institution. And he shared with us that his um, superiors at the institution had actually – really urged him to go and attend the rogue session of all the things at AAM. They said, you must go to this, and he told us that. And what that demonstrated to me was, again, I mean, the fact that this is an urgent thing. This is also something that people are thinking about, that many people are thinking about, and particularly that there are institutions who are really beginning to reflect on and take strides in this area. So so that was very exciting, um, and I, I think – you know, one of my frustrations, I guess, is that you know I I wish to see more of that. That there was um, there were more individuals coming from uh, different backgrounds being supported by their institutions to speak and to take part in this dialogue. Um, I think for me, one thing that I was surprised about uh, was you know, we actually, we had only one person in the audience who was from a human resources department at a museum. And to be honest, I was actually, I was surprised that there was even one uh, human resources person because uh, they're just not very well represented at the AAM conference, that, that kind of department. But what's, you know, while I was thrilled to have this perspective, I was also just frustrated in general that, you know, this is not um, a department and that there are just departments in general that aren't really taking part in dialogues like this one um, and in general the ones that were happening at AAM and for me I think that you know the makeup of the Rogue session, as well as just the makeup at AAM, was really, it was largely comprised of museum educators. And that's, I think, no surprise. But I, I feel frustrated about that in the sense that I really would like to see more representation and involvement, really, from just from all departments across the museum and um, all sectors.
1: That's a very good observation, uh- and I agree with you. I'm sure that's something that AAM is concerned about as well, is that there seems to be an emphasis of certain department heads or certain areas being able to attend the session year to year. I've noticed that as well. Jillian, do you have, or I'm sorry, Alyssa, do you have something that you wanted to add in terms of inspiration and frustration?
2: Sure. I was really inspired by the willingness to be vulnerable that participants demonstrated. The museum field is such a small community. It's very networky. And speaking openly and honestly about such a taboo topic isn't easy. It can feel very risky. But in that room, in that space, everyone was so vulnerable together and so generous with one another, which allowed for real connection and solidarity to happen. And... In terms of frustration, the evening of the Rogue session, I felt frustrated that we ran out of time before we could concentrate on action steps. But now, a month later, I see the value in devoting time to reflection before committing to action steps.
1: Uh, I think I think that's very good um, that's a very good observation and I'll just jump in here uh, for listeners uh, obviously all of the listeners who weren't part of that 70 uh, who weren't able to attend uh, the session uh, what was very well organized, with a just as you would think about as a good AAM session. It was organized as a <laughs> as as a as a, uh, a general uh, discussion and then breakout groups, and then the breakout groups reported back uh, to share ideas. And I was terribly terribly impressed uh, with the organization that that uh, allowed everyone's ideas to to be heard and recorded. Uh, Jillian, I know I'm sort of stepping on your time here to answer that question but I just uh, I wanted to break in. But but uh, I'm sure you too had uh, things that inspired and frustrated you. Yeah, I mean, but the major frustration was just that, that we didn't have
4: this at AM. Um, and uh, I think that that was shared by almost all of us. But um, I think that the inspiring thing and the, the nice thing about it being this sort of rogue session is that, We, I think, being outside of the conference gave people, you know, people were able to let their hair down. You know, when you go to a conference, a lot of times you're there to network, um, especially if you're an emerging professional, you really don't want, again, you brought up that term controversial. You don't want to be controversial because no one wants to hire a controversial person. So um, I felt like people really felt comfortable um, uh, speaking their mind because they were sort of out of that. Um, conference atmosphere.
1: That too is a is a very very good uh, good point that you were able to create that kind of safe place. Uh, that mm-hmm. uh, it sounds as if you're hoping that uh, we can just expand that uh, that that safety. Um, I want to move on a little bit, and I am sure, uh, I think Alyssa mentioned that you've uh, you've all had a chance, chance to do a little self-reflection and sharing of notes, uh, but uh, I'm interested, Monica, uh, any type of specific feedback that you've received since the session?
3: Sure. Well, I think the excitement is palpable. A lot of people are joining and tweeting and following us daily and wanting to kind of take this movement and run with it. Um, So people are still figuring out, you know, in addition to how to have the convo, what tactics to take to dismantle institutional oppressions and ways of kind of just getting free and being able to overcome the systemic problem of some museum workers experiencing um, just no clear pipeline and pathway into better paying jobs. So the feedback has been mostly positive. Um, the, excite, the excitement around the intersectionality of our movement with the museum museum's Respond to Ferguson tweet chat as well as the continuing Black Lives Matter journey of dismantling racist systems. All of those things are happening at the same time and our discussion happened a few days after the Baltimore uprising and I think the energy of the social action of that has fueled us and propelled us Forward from the start so the contact and the, I should say the feedback we got was good. Um, people that weren't involved in the session want to be able to do something in their part of town so right now we're strategizing on ways to do that.
1: Uh, that's, that's great. And, Monica, before I leave, um, uh, it reminds me, uh, so what is the hashtag that people can use to, uh, to engage on the discussion uh, on Twitter? I know the um, you know, uh, museums respond to Ferguson. Uh, has, you've been very involved, and I've had people on the show. But what is the other hashtag that they can, they can follow?
3: Sure. I'm so glad you asked me that. So it's just like our name, hashtag Museum Workers. Speak. Museum Workers Speak. And if you're following on Twitter, it's at Museum Workers. So definitely give us a follow and let us know what your experience has been. A lot of folks aren't comfortable saying it from their own personal Twitter, but if they DM us or send us a message, we can tweet out anonymously what their experiences have been.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Jillian, do you have anything to add, You know, feedback that you've received? Uh, I think that
4: uh, one of the um, the, some of the feedback has been very positive. We have heard, you know, I think there have been murmurs um, here and there of, neg- of negative comments or um, critiques, but I think that overwhelmingly, like Monica said, it's it's been in, it's been incredibly positive, and I just can't believe how much we've been able to do in a month. Um, we were we were remark- marking last night. Um, that we can't believe that AM was only a
1: month ago. We
4: feel like um, we've, we've really been able to make some strides. And, and I think there was this fear at the conference that it was just going to end that day, and it really has not. It's, it's been incredibly, remained incredibly dynamic and um, vibrant discussion. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that.
1: That's wonderful. Um, you know, I think before launching into another question, we're going to go ahead and break a little early and when we come back um, we're going to talk a little bit well a lot more about uh, the the uh, museum workers speak uh, organization the movement uh, and specifically what some of the issues uh, what some of the specific issues were that were that were raised uh, during during the um, uh, the rogue session uh, so stay tuned uh, we will be back in a moment uh, remember you can always contact me I love to hear from from uh, listeners and I'm hearing from more and more of you and it is such a thrill just to know what you think about the program uh, speakers, uh, guests that you think should be on the show and, uh, and issues that we should be talking about here. So remember you can always contact me at carol.bossert at verizon.net uh, and um, so stay tuned there's so much more to talk about with Museum Workers Speak. Uh, this is Carol Bossert from Museum Life.
6: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Women can live their lives to the fullest and realize their dreams for growth and greatness georgine summers knows as host of on the edge georgine will give you powerful tools and rules to help you change direction in your life and get rid of the fears that stop you from living your dreams stretch your boundaries and become the amazing person you've always wanted to be on the edge with georgine summers airs live every wednesday at 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel
0: How do you achieve the utmost success in your life, career, faith, relationships, and more? It's all here in The Business of Living with host Scott Ventrella. Scott has experience as an executive coach, sought-after speaker, and lecturer. He and his guests will offer practical solutions and strategies to help you move to the next level of success no matter where you are in your life and career. The business of living airs live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
6: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast, all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at Verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life.
1: Hello, this is Carol Bossert, and uh, welcome back. I'm here with Nina Pelias, Monica Montgomery, Jillian Reese, and Alyssa Greenberg, and we're talking about the Museum Workers Speak uh, project and uh, the rogue session that occurred at AAM, and everyone is talking about. And right before we went to break, we were talking about some of the inspirations and some of the frustrations that occurred during the sessions. And most of the frustrations, of course, were that this session only touched the tip of the iceberg and uh, didn't really have an opportunity to delve deeply enough into these very important topics of, of uh, workers uh, and personnel working in museums. And so, um, Nina... I'm going to uh, direct this question to you if, um, you know, one of the things that, that, uh, that you have talked about or the group has talked about is that, you know, museums, of course, are places that want to affect social change in their community. And so I'm wondering, what is the connection that you see between a museum's labor practice and its ability to affect um, this outward social change?
5: Yeah, Carol, that is a great question. Um, and I think to just t- sort of go back for a second to something that Alyssa brought up in her little introduction, but this point that she made, I think, about, you know, social justice as being not just what you say, but what you do, I think is something that's really important for this connection. And, you know, museums, as we know, we're we're arbiters of culture, we're arbiters of history, and we're also acting as resources, um, building community and initiating civic discourse. So I think that we know already and museums know, and this is not really a new idea, and obviously the AAM uh, conference, the Social Value of Museums, this, this year's theme of the annual convening, you know, it's a statement that's clear that, you know, our practices matter. What we do, what museums do, it matters. Um, but that also means that what, what we do internally has a huge impact on, you know, the sort of messages that we send out into our communities. And so, I mean... I think that, you know, there's sometimes there, there is a feeling that there's a disconnect, it's inconsistent, and I think that this is something that has been observed by many people before us, and I think I, I want to make very clear that, you know, this isn't a new idea. The problem is, is that this is still a problem. After, you know, generations of people, I think, have been aware of uh, the fact that, you know, museums really are institutions of privilege, institutions that are founded on uh, white, white privilege, white supremacy, that how do we push beyond that? And it continues to be a struggle. Um, but you know, it really comes down to, you know, what is our messaging and what is the message that we are sending if we only have 20% of museum workers that are people of color? You know, I mean, what is that sending out to our communities? And, um, what does it say when we have gender disparity that's reflected in things like museum wages, museum leadership, and, and in the demographics that, um, of the artwork also that museums collect and display. And of course, that's also something that many people have worked on to change. And there have been great strides done in that. Um, But, you know, these are implicit messages that, Uh, reflect really, you know, what what museums are doing, I think. And, you know, unpaid internships do things, for example, that reinforce privilege because they ultimately become only accessible to those who can afford to work for free. And um, that's a really big problem because that means that the people that are in the museums who are making the decisions about the work that's on display, the messages that the museum are sending, are limited. You know, that we don't have as many uh, diverse voices brought to the table. Um, And and, you know, this is something, I mean, the unpaid internship thing is one, just one of many issues, I think, that we are um, interested in tackling and taking on. But, you know, that is a pervasive thing. And, uh, you know, just to give a little bit of statistics, that's, you know, of 66 American museums, this is from a recent study, um, 86% of museums benefit from the labor of unpaid museum educators. So, you know, this is a testament to the fact that, you know, how are we? how is this still an issue that we need to uh, continue to work on? And so, you know, we're very grateful, I think, to a lot of the great thinking and work that's already being done. And I think also, you know, we're really amazed to see... Um, something, a conference like AAM, you know, thinking about social justice and social value in museums, but it's absolutely imperative, I believe, that museums are looking inwards um, and turning that social justice lens inwards, because otherwise, it's really, um, it's just inconsistency, and it, it just cannot, cannot sustain.
3: Carol, Thank can I say something really quick? I'd this love for you to. Yes, Monica, please do. <laughs> Thank you. so. I I just wanted to, you know, give a shout-out and express our appreciation for all of the amazing museum leaders and cultural workers that came before us because we know that this movement is not new. And we want to definitely honor those that have done the work. And I personally, as a woman of color in this space, want to honor other leaders of color that I look up to, such as Lonnie Bunch and Thelma Golden and Dr. Janetta Beshkol and all of those that have kind of made it seem like, this is something I could do. It's no longer unreasonable to expect that a black woman can be a museum director. And even though you don't see a lot of them, more of that is coming, and we're inspiring more by this work we're doing, and those folks that have paved the way have ultimately inspired me. So I just wanted to give that, that shout-out in that respect.
1: Thank you, Monica. That's that is that's really very very important. uh, That uh, that you all are acknowledging that you are that what you are doing has been made possible by. People that come before you—I mean, that's the way we all work. I had mentors, and now I'm mentoring others. That—that uh, that is how we, uh, how we move these things uh, to to completion. If and if the work was done, uh, we wouldn't have to do this. But as you said, it's—it's it's, uh, there's still so many things that we need to do. And I just want to acknowledge before we re- rush to the end of the show that I was so not only impressed, but again, grateful that, uh, this, that the four of you and your session raised my awareness, just as, it, just as Portia Moore and others have, have raised my awareness about the, even the wording and the vocabulary that I use that I don't mean to, uh, but that, that does affect the decisions that I make, and, um, and that, that is something that I, I want to, uh, uh, to be better. You know, when we when we know more, we, we do more. So uh, that that uh, uh, I just wanted to raise that. Uh, Alyssa, do you have some thoughts uh, that you wanted to share about labor practices inside, and uh, then how that affects uh, museums' work uh, to the outside?
2: Sure. I think that there is such a major trend in museum work right now to do programming that emphasizes inclusion. And those kinds of practices I know are practices that inspire the four of us speaking on the podcast today as well as the other core members of museum workers speak. But today museum work is only accessible to the privileged and when that happens an all too familiar dynamic results. If we only have privileged people working in the museum, if privileged groups are writing and interpreting the history of the marginalized for them, actually what's happening is that museums are perpetuating the very exclusivity that they claim to be challenging. And so when Nina was talking about the disconnect that she sees, that's what we're talking about.
1: Thank you. I think you both have articulated uh, uh, the issue very, very well, and, and I would just add that I see it uh, compound when uh, then people who are working in the museum are trying uh, to understand pe- people in their community that perhaps don't look like them or don't think like them or didn't come from the same country as uh, of origin as they did. And um, it does make for some real challenges uh, to build that level of trust that might be a lot easier if we could do it internally first. Um, I'm so, ladies. What's next? Uh, what can we look forward to in the group as you you move forward? Uh, Jillian, do you want to uh, uh, take the lead on that? Sure. I think that um,
4: we, uh, you know, we want to be very clear that we want to see sort of um, a utopian vision form for an inclusive field. Um, and that we want to transform museums from institutions that uphold the status quo to um, vibrant centers where community members feel comfortable um, coming from a multiple different backgrounds to discuss the issues that are relevant to them. Um, through, you know, the stories that we hold in our collections. And um, right now, we're, we're really still formulating um, what, in I, one, identifying the sort of issues we want to address. Um, you know, there are some that are glaringly obvious, you know, unpaid internships, you know, the litany of uh, part-time work, the need for a, a graduate degree to get a job that pays you twenty five. Thousand dollars a year. Um, you know the the total lack of investment in um, advancement for people of color or for um, people who don't fit sort of this um, traditional museum worker um, mold that has emerged. Um, but there are more issues out there, and so what we want is for everyone out there listening, everyone interested in this, um, to come, come to us and um, join us and join Museum Workers Speak and, you know, get on our Google Docs and, 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 and put your ideas out there and, and, and help us formulate our mission, help us formulate our vision, and help us identify those issues, and then help us identify the action steps. For bo- that we are going to recommend for both for individuals, for institutions, and then for all, also for other museum stakeholders, funders, um, professional organizations like AAM, um, uh, museum board members. You know how how can we get everybody on board and in-, in sort of changing these and in- these un. Inequitable um, practices. Um, We're. I'm gonna let Monica talk more about the social media um, because she's our social media maven. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're gonna have. um, uh, two regional um, meetings that are set up in Washington, D.C. for June 15th and in Chicago for June 30th. So if you are in those areas, um, please connect with us and we can get that information to you. Um, we want to be an open, nimble, responsive, reflect- reflective, and an organization that listens. So, um, you know, we've, we've gotten a lot of momentum and we want to continue that. So... Um, looking forward to to that, and also this is something I want to say. I don't work with for a social justice museum. Um, I work for a fine art. Museum, um, And I think that this is something that's applicable to every museum, even ones that aren't necessarily directly or explicitly engaged in social justice work. Any museum that is looking to remain relevant um, is, needs to do this work, needs to look internally and um, you know, flesh out the right practices.
1: Thank you. I am so, I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, Monica, I know you have a lot to add.
3: Sure. Um, I just want to start by saying that museum workers speak, we're operating out of a deep love and an abiding respect for cultural institutions, museums, art institutions, and more. And so this is not someone, some stranger from the outside trying to tear down the walls. This is the inside radiating enlightenment outwards. And so this is almost like a family that needs to sit down and have a family meeting. So this. Museum Workers Speak is the family meeting, and we really want to see concrete changes come so that everyone in the museum and cultural sector can find equity, can find justice, can live well, and we want to better the field that we've dedicated our lives to. I've been in this field a short time, but I've fallen in love with it. I've become enamored with the people I've met. Museum Workers are some of the most amazing, authentic, brilliant, quirky coolest people you'll ever meet and we're all here for the same reason so joining us on social media is a great way to get tapped in the first museum workers speak tweet chat will be june 3rd at 2 p.m eastern and we'll do them monthly on the first wednesday of every month so you're following at museum workers with an s on twitter and then of course on facebook following museum workers speak and we're posting stories we're posting prompts we're posting feedback. We're posting love to better the sector.
1: Thank you, Monica. That's great. We've got uh, just just one minute, so I'm uh, Nina. Do you have one final thing that you'd like to say? Um. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I just want,
5: I want to really second all of this idea, especially that Monica is sharing about this idea of love being something that we are really working towards. And you know, while we are definitely a, a critique, we're working to critique the system, um, this is something that, I, you know, to draw from Eve Sedgwick's language, a, a reparative movement, I think, and um, just to go back, to, to this idea of the rogue and why we're using that word, I, I mean, I'm someone who loves to play with language and manipulating language, and so I really love that word, rogue, because I, and I especially love it in the sense of, like, a rogue wave. Um, rogue is an adjective that's implying something that's maybe unexpected, um, out of the ordinary, and also something that really can potentially overhaul, um, and maybe in somewhat of an unpredictable way, uh, the existing norms that are existing in the institutions that we work in, and these are the institutions that we love and that we care deeply about. So um, thank you for having us and letting us speak out, and we encourage so many of our colleagues to also do the same and join us in, in speaking up and speaking out.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Alyssa, I know I didn't give you a final word, but uh, I know there will be opportunities in the future. This has been an important and wonderful uh, discussion, and I feel privileged that I was able to uh, provide the forum for it. Uh, We will be back next week with a very interesting guest, so please stay tuned. This is Carol Bossert from Museum Life.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net.